Everyone, welcome to Nerdy People Read, um, the first actual official episode slash recording of um, a podcast where we get together with some people and we talk about a book that we've all read, because <laughs> that would make Yay. sense if we've actually read the book, I, I hope. Um, the book <laughs> we're talking about this um, podcast, and it's yet to be decided if this is fortnightly or monthly, depending on Josh's work schedule and life schedule. Um we're going to be talking about Dune this week um, for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, there is a movie coming out um, next year. And second of all, it was actually, there was a tweet from one of my guests this episode, which made me start rethinking about this book that I've read quite a few times and, and very, very much enjoyed. So um, to kind of give everyone fair warning, yes, there will be spoilers, I imagine. <laughs> At some point. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't read the book, um, we're going to cover the first... Like, you could probably listen to the first couple of minutes of this, and then go read the book and come back. <laughs> so, um, without any further ado, I shall introduce um, two wonderful people. Um, Sammy, ladies first, I believe. Yes. Hi, I'm Samia. I'm from... Well, I'm living in Canada. I'm originally from England. Um, and I'd never actually read this book or heard about this book or read sci-fi <laughs> before <laughs> until you invited me on. I and feel can I just oddly, say- oddly proud and upset with myself. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yeah, you called that <laughs> And um, I'm like fully invested now. I'm fully immersed. I want everything, <laughs> so... I'm like so excited. I I really got irritated of reading after uni, and um, and that was like two years ago. And it it took this book to make me refall in love with reading again. So thank you. <laughs> you are very very welcome. I'm 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 glad I could I could do this. Um, Sammy, what what, what 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 do you 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 also um you have a podcast as well that I think people should go to. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> Um, I host a podcast called The Rogue Muslim, so it's basically dispelling, you know, myths about Islam and what Muslim um, people are like and just the everyday realities we face, but also showing, um, unfortunately, having the need to show that we're very normal people um, and just living life day to day and contributing to society. Um, So, yeah, hopefully that goes to... Um, preventing the culture of fear that the media perpetuates, the mainstream media perpetuates. Um, and I'd really appreciate if you could have a listen and share your thoughts and your comments. Um, we discuss like a lot of things. Like I very much focused on mental health and mental well-being, and then um, uh, different like types of Muslim medias and just any conversation, <laughs> sexual violence, stuff like that. Um, that anyone's open to having with me. So it's it's started off well, and hopefully it'll continue that way. Um, as someone who is a Christian, I can say I've listened to a couple of episodes, and I certainly enjoy it. So it's... Thanks. What one, one, what one can be non-Muslim and enjoy it, I think, and certainly get some stuff out of it. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, that's the thing. And just to advance the conversations and um, have them in very open manners, because... Um, we don't have enough of those. So. I I would agree. Um, yeah. And my other guest this week, um, Josh. Ta-da! That is I. 
I am the other Josh, uh, Josh T. Jordan. I am, uh, I'm American, which is a weird thing to say. Um, and I uh, believe I know uh, my friend Zuga here mostly through our shared love of role-playing games. Um, when I'm not teaching high school, I like to make and publish strange role-playing games. I, Sammy, am on the far end of the spectrum. Um, mm. I read lots of books and <laughs> I'm, have been a big sci-fi nerd for a long time. And it would say it is. Uh, it has been a slow process to start going to the other section of the library where they have non-sci-fi books, some of which are good, <laughs> I'm now willing to admit. Um, I, but I also, everything you said about um, humanizing people and focusing on mental health, that, that is very similar to what I try to do in my games and what I try to do in my classroom. I think um, I tell my students all the times, uh, oh, no, I, uh, weird is not a bad word in this room. I like the weird kids um, mm -hmm. because uh, if the whole world were filled with people exactly like me, many, many things would not get done properly, and it would be a very boring place. Um, so uh, it is, it's lovely to meet. It's lovely to speak all, uh, to both of you, and I look forward to talking about a book that I believe I read uh, 15 years ago for the first time, something like that. Well, I'd be in a similar place, yeah. <laughs> for the, the first time it was about 15 years ago, yeah. And I didn't understand it anywhere near enough until I read it, like, two or three more times. It's like, there's still stuff I'm getting out of this. Sure. So, um, if we all had to say, answer the first question of, would we recommend this book to other people? Yes or no? Yes, no, and maybe. Um, Sammy? Mm -hmm. we, 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 sorry, Sammy, I should stop doing the Australian thing of... Shortening everyone's name down to as few <laughs> syllables as humanly possible. <laughs> hey, do you folks watch The Office? I yes. can't. I can't do cringe comedy. What? What? I, okay. No, the American version. I, I've watched maybe half an episode. I have children. No. And I've studied, so it's a case of, look, I had to pick my hobbies. No. And TV. Yeah. My mission to is degree. to convert you to the office now. It will not take much. I'm I'm very suggestible. <laughs> okay. I'll just start spamming you. But you remind me of Kevin, who tries to speak in few syllables as possible in one episode. Okay. okay. I'll send it to you. It's brilliant. To to kind of put things in perspective for non-Australian listeners, um, if a, if an Australian ever says, "I'll see you, Savo," what they mean is, "I will see you this afternoon." Wow. So, no. yes, that, that is, that is <laughs> yeah. what we're like. We're terrible. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Samia. <laughs> Samia. Thank you. Samia, <laughs> would you recommend this book to other people? Yes, I would. Um, yes. I fully, yeah, because when you, you explained it to me, uh, you said that it is quite controversial. And I think it's I got on... the potential to be very controversial, especially when you're coming out next year. In this oh, day and age, is the trailer out for that? Is the trailer out for that one? Not yet. Although, looking on IMDb, okay. it looks like almost everyone's in it. Right. I saw Timothy Chalamet, Jason Ramoa, Josh Brolin, Zendaya, um, Batista, Javier Bardem. 
It's like, this is... <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, what they did is they just went to the casting agent and just said, you have unlimited money. Who can you get? Not, not... <laughs> yes. Not, not, who do you think you can get? You can get them. Yeah. Just go. Yeah. So, so this is a book you'd recommend? Yes, this is a book I'd recommend. I... I don't know if I'm recommending it purely because it's my first sci-fi book, um, an introduction to it. Um, but I, at first I was like, I just don't understand this. Like, this is a whole new world. I These names are not making sense. It's taking me forever to piece things together in my head. Like, I'm used to just reading, you know, factual things or things that are based on Earth <laughs> and in my realities. <laughs> Um, so well, at first I was like, I don't know what I just got myself into. Like, why did I agree to this? <laughs> and I started reading it like Monday because I just didn't have time. And um, and so I was like, no, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. And as I just kept reading and reading, I just got so much more invested in the dynamics, like trying to interpret um, how it was based on when Herbert wrote it to how it can apply now. And I think like you folks might have seen me tweeting out like, dude. I, I did notice. Well, I, I saw that. Yeah. 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 Yes, um, yes, planet I got very yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah, I got very into it. And, um, and I think I, what I just really appreciate about it is kind of how it still is relevant in the ways that we are discussing many us versus them narratives, um, orientalist tropes, how we um, are still in the West versus the rest kind of frame of um, perceiving and being despite globalization and the certain accesses that we have, um, but also just some very great, you know, moral points on what it takes to be a leader, really questioning um, the responsibilities that come with leadership and some of the practicalities on how you need to navigate certain um, spaces and the ways in which to, um, yeah, just converse with people of different means and um, different intentions and stuff. So after the Quran, it's kind of my next <laughs> Quran. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Look, to be honest, I mean, I'll probably regret saying that in a bit, but after we really get into it, but we, we I won't mean, tell it, anyone. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just don't post this podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I and I and I. What I also appreciated about it was it really opened up my imagination a lot more, and um, I, I was really thrown off by the Islamic concepts that are in there and some of the Islamic phrases and uh, cultural words. But then it also got me thinking that you know. We're so used to reading about how Muslim women are oppressed or how Muslim the Muslim culture and uh, Islam is inherently violent and books like that sell. Whereas Herbert's kind of um, normalized some of these Islamic concepts into and packaged it in ways that are somewhat problematic, but also, like I said, normalized. And it makes me... You know, I really want to read Islamic sci-fi and see what what that could offer. So, um, in the search for that now too. So, I, I yeah, I would hundred percent recommend it. Um, I would say if this is your first sci-fi, yeah, I am really sorry. The bar is set very high for you now. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm really sorry. There's some good stuff out there, but I don't know how much is this level good. Oh no, 
But yeah. the good news is he wrote like six or seven books. Oh, thank God. Okay. For me, that'll be my next year. For me, like the first one and the last two in the series are my favorites. Like everything in between gets a little weird, but that's that's just me. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I will not make you read anything else like that. Oh, I, I'm I'm really invested, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm uh, on the edge of my seat, just waiting to tell you some of your, Oh, you should read these hundred books, as is my way as an English teacher. But do it. Uh, you you will do either... those hundred books. Mr. Jordan. Oh, yeah. sure, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> Maybe, perhaps I'm I'm exaggerating slightly, but if this, uh, depending on why you engaged with it, I would be happy to talk to you about other kinds of sci-fi books that you might enjoy. But I find it especially interesting uh, how you engaged with the Islamic ideas in this particular book, because that I was totally blind to the first time, and still mostly blind the mm -hmm. most recent time that I read it, but. Uh, in terms of the, you know, sort of the imagined world, the, like, the, all of the fake things aspect of sci-fi, um, <laughs> he does do a pretty good job of not overwhelming you with that. Although, I mean, it's a, what, in my version, a 450-page book, so there's plenty of fake words in there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I have books that I want you to read now. <laughs> it's also one of the few science fiction novels that a uh, very popular rock band has written a song about. Mm. Oh, who? Um, Led Zeppelin. Sorry, Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. Oh. Iron Maiden. Um, they wrote a song called "To Tame a Land," and it's all about Dune. That's cool. That's <laughs> amazing. So, um, Josh, would you recommend this book to people? I would, and I have. Um, whenever I recommend a book, I, I tend to over talk it to the person so they know when they come across some very strange part of it, why I bothered to tell them to read it and why they should, uh, why, if or why they should bother to make it all the way to the end. Um, I went so far as to, this is very nerdy, uh, but I feel like I'm in a good audience. I went to the, the literature review committee for my high school and talked with them about, I mean, I talked with them about several books, but, Dune was one of them, and they let me know that they had already considered it and rejected it as a possible novel for high school students um, because of some specific objectionable material about how Baron Harkonnen is basically a rapist. Yeah. They're like, well, we don't, right, yes, yeah. we don't, we don't want to deal with that with our high school students, which yeah. I, I understand. <laughs> Given our local environment, I, I understand why they chose to draw their line there, although I, I would draw my line in a different place. They just mm -hmm. basically said, oh, maybe a child rapist type guy is not something that we want to put in with our 16 and 17 year olds. Now, I, on the other hand, would perhaps argue that, hey, those people exist in the real world, and maybe we want to have those discussions with our students in a safe environment or relatively safe environment but long story short mm -hmm. yes i have recommended this book um as my lovely wife mentioned yesterday and to me i don't know maybe you already know this um not only is it coming out as a movie next year it's already been made into a, a movie and then a tv miniseries and then the sequel tv miniseries so as she put it uh, since 1965, about every 20 years, they turn it into a movie. So it, it has some lasting cultural significance um, that is 
in my to my mind worth talking about at least. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Um, I have watched the three-hour made-for-television version of that movie. Um, yeah. I tried to make my yeah, wife I... sit through it once, and she got twenty minutes in and was like, "No." Nah. I thought, "Yep, yeah, I, I agree <laughs> and understand." Um, to give my answer, I, I think my answer is given on this podcast. Like, yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah. I would recommend it. I, I would recommend it with caveats, though. Um, one is the fact that there's some problematic issues to this book. One of them is, when I first read it, I didn't even know what Islam that Islam existed. Mm. Like, I, I, I am prepared to say, yes, I was an ignorant 12-slash-13-year-old who did not know about everything because I was too busy reading David Edding's books. Um, I'm, Yay. Digging, I'm digging that trench deep, guys. Um, and so I I would want to say to people, and I think I said this to you, Sammy, look, this this may have some issues. Mm-hmm. Please go into it, into that without it. Like, I'd, I'd caveat this one and go, right. look, if you just want to read a really, really well-written science fiction novel... It's good. It's 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 real wi- it, well written. If you want to look at you know the mechanics of how do you write a book with a lot of themes in one go, again, <laughs> like this guy is really good at what he does. Mm-hmm. But the other thing for me is like okay, as far as I can recall, the Baron Harkonnen, I think, is the only. There might be another one that I've forgotten. But I think he's the only non-heteronormative character mentioned throughout the whole work. And it's kind of a case of, that's not a good example. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd have a, a part of me be like, look, some people may be okay with that, some people may not be okay with that, and that's, and that's fair. Like, that's a fair reaction. But I think I'd still mm-hmm. say, look, you should probably still read this because it's so well yeah. written that there's a lot to take out of it if all, all, yeah. if, if what you want to learn is how to write a really good book. Yes. And, uh, like, with really great attention to detail. Like, uh, even just the quotes from, detail. like, yeah, the different manuals and stuff. I was like, who thinks of this? Like, how mm-hmm. did you think of it? It's incredible. I, I will put I forward. People do. I just. <laughs> Frank Herbert, the, the company that published this book originally, was known for publishing technical documents. Um, every oh, other publishing house it. turned him down. Wow. So, yeah. Because it was too technical. I think because you, they you... read it, I think because they got a couple of chapters in and like, what exactly is this? What are you getting at? <laughs> yeah. And it so takes like getting a... matter. Pardon? Oh, what are you talking partly about the front matter at the beginning of each of the chapters where he's like quoting some hymn from some fictional mm-hmm. thing? Yeah, I love or, the fact that he quotes books that exist mm-hmm. in his universe, but not in this one. You know what I mean? It almost suggests that, um, and if you guys can hear laughter in the background, it's my wife and her brother who is visiting from Russia at the moment. So I apologize to anyone cool. listening to this if you hear gales of laughter. It's not because we have an audience, it's because... Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, part of me thinks, did he actually write a bunch of books that he never released that were just like his diaries, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which would be mm-hmm. great for me to think about. If it were Tolkien, the answer would be yes. Yeah, and Christopher would have already released them by now. Yes, indeed. 
Um, to Josh, to go back to something that you, or sorry, Zoo Guy for the audience, so we don't I, I, either is totally confused. <laughs> uh, to go back to something what you that you said uh, about the a possible warning for the heteronormativity of the book. Although I agree, I would say um, the thing that jumps out at me even more is not necessarily the sexuality of the book so much as it is some of the possible cultural and religious. Um, issues like basically uh, i would warn my students if they were to read this hey just so you know this is yet another book where the white man tricks and then saves the brown people and then he uses them to beat up all of the mean white people and w we all cheer at the end because we wanted him to win all along although i am willing to engage with that narrative um some of my students have read I that want to exact thing a billion times <laughs> i, I yeah. want to because yeah. in a way a we never know if he's a white person or if he's a brown person. Um, mm -hmm. Because, and, and I say brown as in more kind of like, you know, Mediterranean swarthy. Like, right. kind of my skin tone, but slightly darker. Despite the fact I'm yeah. descended from Irish, Scottish, German and Poles, I brown beautifully <laughs> in the Australian sun. That's great. Um, and because he did grow up on the water, like, you know, on a water planet, I always, I actually pictured him more like, you know, kind of, you know, not pale, like not white-white. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing, and Sammy, I apologise, I don't know where you... Where, where about to you up to in the book? Did you finish, or are you three-quarters away, halfway? I'm, I'm almost done book two. So, of the Muad'Dib, I think. Muad'Dib. Muad'Dib. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm... Although yeah, I probably should not Stop. correct you on the pronunciation of a word that's probably closer to your language <laughs> than mine. And I just come at this having watched the movie and they all said more deep, so I apologise. Well, in, in the movie they pronounce it more deep. But we'll see in 2020 version. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see who they bring on as cultural advisor. That person is going to have an alcohol problem at the end of that job. Uh, from because, Scarlett um, Johansson with her revenue. Yeah, she, she'll she'll come in as oh, actually, you know what? I think like all the nation. I think all the good <laughs> Fremen characters are taken. Oh God! Nice. The way she just goes into roles that are not meant for her. Just. Yeah. Anyways, what would we um? What what what? Okay, we've we've kind of discussed what makes this book problematic. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was actually also going to kind of engage with um, Josh, Josh's point and say, in a way of looking at it, there is a part where Paul is kind of like, look, I can't let the jihad happen. I, mm -hmm. need, I need to be at the point of history where I can make this not as bad as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of an interesting thing, because it's kind of like he's not saying, I'm just using you guys to destroy my enemies. You guys are actually about to have a culturally, a cultural moment where you guys rise up and set the universe on fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use that energy, and I'm going to try and not have atrocities caused. Mm -hmm. Which to me sounds like a jolly nice idea for a leader to aim for. <laughs> sure. In America, we hope and pray for such a thing to eventually occur. 
we're all united on that one. Yeah, yeah, let's... <laughs> We're all united on the let's not have atrocities front, which I think is a good front to be on. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a tough line to stand on. Yeah, yeah. I'll die on this hill of no atrocities committed. Um, I, I think um, my, my youngest brother and I, we were discussing this book, and he ruined it for me, because he's a jerk. And he said, Josh, Dune is really just a more complicated version of The Lion King. Which shut me up for a good full five minutes, and then I started punching him, because <laughs> he's my brother and I'm allowed to punch him. Yeah. And because we were laughing, he had a lot of fun. Um, but one of the points he brought up, and I think this is actually like, this is where the book can get very problematic. Would you consider the Fremen as heroes, considering their modern-day potential counterpart? That is a, like, oh, wow, guys, yeah. Because my way of looking at the Fremen, when I first read this book, is these people are awesome. Right. These are the, these are the good guys. I like these guys. They're cool. Right. right. And I'm, I'm saying this is like someone who was a 12 or 13-year-old. It's like they're amazing warriors. They are very, very disciplined. They are practical to the most extreme means mm-hmm. but now having like you know a very interesting degree under my belt it's like yeah they'd probably be classed as like freedom fighters if you're on their side mm-hmm. and, and terrorists if you're not mm-hmm. and the, 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 the big saving grace that I can remember so far in the book is that there's no mention of attacking civilians but very happily attacking the Harkonnens. And I think, well, yeah, that's right. that's fair game, I'd say. Right, right. So, Sammy, you respect probably... Respect my existence or respect my resistance. Yeah. Um, this is probably where, like, I have to shut up and say, look, please... Pl- please talk to me on this one. Pl- please open this one up for me, because I don't think it's fair that I have the only perspective on this saying, man, these guys are amazing. Mm-hmm. But but potentially quite problematic in some ways. So so please like I'm 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 I'm, I'm curious to know what you think of of the Fremen and Stilgar and all that kind of thing. Me? Yes, very. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm dying for this. <laughs> um, I I thought the whole thing was just very interesting because he he. There are Orientalist kind of narratives of, yes, you know, there is this imperial emperor who also, by the way, like, is very much, like, high up, elite, doesn't actually get his hands dirty kind of work, gets his minions to do things, which is what politicians and, um, you know, kings have done in the past and continue to do. Thousands Um, of years in the future, politicians are still jerks, yeah. Yeah. We've not changed. and um but at the same time there is that imperial power and so coming in these firmen are um you know in a very it it plays into this idea that the middle east is very intense and um inherently violent and only in warrior mode um and and yet, like you said one man's Freedom fighter is another man's terrorist, so um, they are. Yeah, they ha- they do have that 
that training, I guess. But I think what's the underlying stuff isn't necessarily brought into the fore so explicitly is that, you know, they are ecologically minded they are environmentally friendly in the sense of like in being recycling because in in being recycling in recycling um <laughs> very extreme they, of it, yes <laughs> they are also recycling yeah <laughs> there, there is there's a wonderful like moment when paul and his mother meet the fremen and they're like how about we just cut their throats and take the their water and the blood. it's like <laughs> Yeah. Well, that is environmentally friendly, like, legit. <laughs> or they give the rockets to the Fremen to to drink up, um, you know? And so they're very practical about that stuff, but there's, like, a lot of ingenuity there, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily explicitly highlighted, um, and, again, is not explicitly highlighted in the way we understand the East, who have brought down many innovations and um, different modern methods of, like, for example, water irrigation or just access to coffee and um, numeric systems and which, st- very practical things. And, which, and the access to coffee is an absolute necessity now. Like, oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I think I remember reading once, um, when I was at university, um, one of the subjects I did was all about the integrate, like the... Um, so not integration, the interplay, so interaction uh, between the West mm-hmm. and Islam. And mm-hmm. the guy's actually talking about coffee. It's like, look, coffee's an, an Islam thing. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm not going to research that. I'll, I'll, I'll accept your point. Um, right. And he actually pointed out that when there, were, the, there was actually, and I don't know if I've remembered this correctly. If I have, please, please forgive me. Any any miscommunication here is my own fault. Um. Mm where he said, like, coffee was actually debated because they didn't know if it was acceptable or not. Because in some ways, it's like, yeah, this is actually bad for you because it's kind of a drug. In other ways, it's like, but right. it makes you feel amazing. It's like, right. because it's a drug. <laughs> it's like, Mind-altering. <laughs> and I'm sure there are at least one or two people who are like, look, man, if you can function at, you know, sun up, yeah. more power to you. <laughs> Done it, yeah. You try and take that away from me, we'll have a fight. (laughs) And maybe that's why we got so many inventions from the Middle East. Yeah, yeah, they were coffeeed up. They had the power to do so. Exactly. They they got started early in the morning. They could keep going. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be curious to see whether they invented coffee or uh, algebra first, because I feel like (laughs) algebra was definitely invented by morning people. (laughs) Algebra was invented by people who don't like you. (laughs) Like, Yes. No, yeah. I, I I also know that um, it, it's actually an interesting thing, like the colonialism of the white people, and and I'm allowed to say this because I'm white. You know, we are such idiots. Um, the when, when you actually look at the state the Middle East was in prior prior to the Crusades, this was Renaissance. This mm-hmm. was like a beautiful beautiful golden age of of poetry, art, and right. intellectualism to the point where we still don't know how they did a lot of the things they did. And even when you look at, say, um, the the Mesoamerican peoples, their achievements in agriculture are still something that mm-hmm. we look at and go, my God, we have no idea how they mm-hmm. had soil this good and how they practiced such wonderful horticulture and agriculture. So right. it, it's, it's certainly a narrative, I think, that sometimes gets overlooked. 
Yeah, and it's interesting that, um, you know, going into um, Arrakis, and it's like, you know, these people are just superstitious, and they have their myths, and they're just waiting for the Mahdi and the Savior. Um, but a lot of what they, the way they practice is is rooted in a lot of wisdom of knowing the land and knowing their selves in very intimate ways in order to survive. And those survival tactics, I mean, you still see it right now with neocolonialism. If you're going into, for example, uh, countries within Africa and trying to develop them, right? Um, and saying that, oh, no, we know better <laughs> because we're more civilized and we... Um, <laughs> to all this technology and the means of, um, you know, making your life easier and just giving you basic access and stuff. Meanwhile, we're just raping your land and stuff and taking your resources. But don't worry about that one. Um, and but, you know, they they don't um, actually realize and understand a very basic idea of that these folks know their land and know what works and doesn't work. And, you know, the ways in which they're their climate um, is not conducive to certain, you know, Western practices, for example, and stuff. And so um, it was interesting that there was a bit of that Western um, arrogance that was taken in when they went in um, and this idea of wanting to change practices. But also, again, weirdly, like he it's, it's not full on colonialism, like they do come to realize the importance of uh, their suits and 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 the ways in which why they need to conserve a lot of the water and uh, the ways in which they access that stuff. Um, so yeah, it's it's very interesting how he kind of subverts those Orientalist tropes and then feeds into them, um, which which just throws you off because I'm just used to reading full on like <laughs> the West versus the East kind of stuff, and this one was like I don't know how to feel anymore. <laughs> <laughs> When a book does that to you, you know it's a good one. It's like, oh, yes. It's a good one. (laughs) He's ignorant. But wait, no, he's not. But yes, he kind of is. Kind of. That's my final answer. It's like, he's ignorant, but he means well. Ignorant, but means well. I I like to think of, like, I, I know very little about Frank Herbert, and I meant to research him a lot more before we sat down, but, you know, children um, and, and everything else I do with life. Like, I, I get mm-hmm. the feeling he was ignorant, but he but he didn't mean to be... I think he knew he was ignorant in a, in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. he gives the feeling of someone who means well, because when I think about the Fremen, there is not one of them... Okay, there's one of them, sorry, who comes across as a jerk, but not a bad guy. Like, not a, he's not a terrible human being. He's just someone you'd be like, oh, I don't want to hang out with that guy. Um, <laughs> they're definitely not set as the villains in the story. No, 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 no. That's, that is certainly... I mean, Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, he's an amazing villain. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's no mm-hmm. metric by which you would say he's redeemable or he has an arc. It's like, no, 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 his arc is down. Like the more yeah. you find out, it's like, yeah. this is just a bad man. Right. Right. I think there is one moment where, um, in book one, where they're having some sort of royal kind of dinner or whatever, and um, there's, I, I think, 
I don't remember his name, but he, uh, Susu, 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 Yeah, 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 the, uh, the water seller. Yeah, Susu. Yeah, he, yeah, and he goes, um, uh, animals drink their, something about animals drinking. I love drinking this scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah, and then Paul goes, but, you know, the basic understanding is that we're most, um, we're in competition with ourselves and we're a threat to ourselves. And then you discover that Paul is Harkonnen. And it's like, so So it's just this idea of we are mostly in comp- competition with ourselves and the Freemen are kind of oh. off to the side. <laughs> it just came to me. You've to made that scene better for me. Thank you. <laughs> I am the Mahdi. I'm projected into the you, you've, you've done... Oh, thank you. That is not a perspective... That is not a call-out I thought about. Thank you. Like, <laughs> I just love the line, and now Harkonnen shall kill Harkonnen. Like, that is my... That That's my line in when I'm playing video games, and it's a survival <laughs> game, and I've got a bow and arrow, and now it... Now... And yeah. now Harkonnen shall kill Harkonnen. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, wow, thank you. Um, Forever have more me. Hey, you've just got an invite back whenever you like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're going to recommend books like this, yeah. (laughs) I I, Look, I don't know if I can recommend a science fiction book that good ever again in my life. (laughs) I've got a couple of books on the shelf in my life. Binti by Nnedi Akorafor. DM me that. That's going in the show notes. Yeah. It's also shorter. <laughs> <laughs> I know, when you guys are like, I've read it four or five times, I'm like, what? We were very lonely teens. I, well, I was, Josh. <laughs> well, hey, uh, no comment. Uh, yeah. No, when I say I read it four or five times, I mean I read it that one time and watched the movie over and over again. No, I'm, I'm, an annoying, I'm an annoyingly fast reader to the point where my wife refuses to buy me books anymore. <laughs> she'll buy me a book for Christmas or something and she'll be like, Oh, how's the book going after a week? And I'll be like, Yeah, I've gotten through it I've gotten through it like so far and I'm going back for my second read and she'll look at me like Go away. <laughs> Go away. I'm not, your your book book <laughs> not falling for that again. Oh man. Okay. So um favorite or mate or most hated moments. Anything there that we think is interesting. Hmm. Aside from the fact that, thank you, you just made that dinner party scene <laughs> more awesome for me. <laughs> yeah, and just so we can, okay, so in cl- case any of our listeners are are slow or or missed it, the it, what I understand you guys referring to is this whole idea that well, if Jessica is Harkonnen, then Paul is Harkonnen, then therefore all of the main characters in sort of the feudal system except the emperor who survived to the end of the book are Harkonnen and therefore uh, we're all killing our our grandpa or uncle or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. also that we are our own worst enemies. And I yeah. think it's interesting that Paul like says, talks about not wanting to go on jihad where, you know, jihad in Western terms and how it's been presented is very much about going to war, whereas that's a very small... That, so there's two types of jihad, the greatest struggle and the smallest struggle. Going to war is a smaller struggle. 
your greater struggle is your internal struggle with yourself. So I think it's interesting. I don't know if he, Herbert, willingly or intentionally meant for this, but that ongoing dialogue that Paul is having with himself on, you know, the responsibility that he has and how exactly he's going to execute that responsibility is this idea of the greater struggle of a greater jihad. Um, and that ultimately that's who we need to be fearful of, but also have respect of, um, and that, you know, everyone else around us are distractions to actually, uh, I was, I'm going to sound hippy dippy, but realizing our best selves are like <laughs> realizing what we can give to humanity. Um, if that makes sense. No, I, I understand. Like, there's there's a lot more I could get done in outreach to neighbors and, you know, people that would potentially need my help if I didn't have to cook dinner for my children every night. For children's <laughs> sake. Right. So I do the smart thing and I bulk cook at least two meals ahead. Yeah. One of my favorite I... parts of the book is early in the story um, when... The Reverend Mother tests Paul. Um, uh, maybe it's just be the teacher and me coming out, but the idea of <laughs> testing uh, someone, uh, testing whether or not they're human by whether or not they can control themselves, I find that strangely appealing because I, I have a feeling that I don't have as many humans as students as I would as uh, my role sheet would indicate. But seriously, though, just the I, I mean, I'm. I'm kidding, but I do really like the part where uh, we're testing our protagonists just in terms of whether uh, he is able to act in his own best interest despite the pain that he would have to suffer. And uh, that speaks well for later in the book when, like, he's all by himself or, well, he's with his mother, but he's relatively stranded, relatively powerless. Is he going to be able to do what he needs to do despite the pain? And we already have a key indicator that the answer is yes, he is going to survive because he was able to do something tough um, in the first 10 pages of the book that that a smart-sounding lady said he did better at it than anybody else she'd ever tested. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of love that that whole dialogue's great. What's in the box? Pain. Yeah. Put your hand in. No! <laughs> You'll die. Let us say oh, that all right, fair enough. Yeah. I suggest you might be human. Yeah. Do you suggest, that, also... do you, do you suggest that Juke Son is an animal? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I appreciate that as well because we don't put our leaders through enough tests, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, we'll take all that. Oh, that's it. Do you want to be Prime Minister, President, whatever? Gomjabar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I, I don't know about you. Where's the Reverend but, Mother when you meet her? Yeah, in America, all... Politicians demonstrate self-control all the time. Yeah, no. <laughs> they're the one, Yeah, especially the one currently in charge. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes, we need we need that too. Like Scott Morrison. Okay, just so you guys know, at the moment, time of recording, Scott Morrison is our current prime minister. This could change any day. Oh, are you having elections? No. Um, Australian prime ministers heat? in the last. Five years, I think we've had three. Oh. Because they just keep getting sick of them and just keep telling them to go away. Oh. Yeah. It's, it is remarkably dull. We, we, we have not had a single president, uh, sorry, Prime Minister rather, 
complete their term for about 12 years. And it's a four-year term? Yeah. Or eight. Wow. That's kind of scary. It's, it's funny. It gives <laughs> us something to do. I mean, it also yeah. means everyone gets a turn. Everyone gets a yes. turn. Yeah, everyone gets a turn. <laughs> yeah. Just like Australians shorten their words. You just exactly. Shorten yeah, we shorten our politician, <laughs> political lives. It's like, no, 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 move on, mate. You're done. Yeah. Um, my, my own favourite kind of moment from this, other than the, and now Harkonnen shall kill Harkonnen, because to me right. that's kind of, A, aside from being a kick-ass line, mm-hmm. it is in some ways like, I am going to use the worst of me to destroy the worst of me. Mm-hmm. It's like, there is, there is a terrible strength and a terrible purpose within me. I will use this to, like... To defeat the fact, you know, to, to kind of remove the idea of this horrible stuff I know is going to happen, I need to use the worst of me to bring out the best, like, to bring the best result. It's, it's for me, that's a, maybe a weird little dichotomy thing. Um, but, but I'd also have to say I love the litany against fear. Mm-hmm. For me, yes. that is, like, I have legitimately used that from time to time. Mm-hmm. Just to go like you know, I will not fear. Fear is the mind right. killer. And and there's there's something very very cool about just having those words and just being able to say, all right, calm down. As someone yeah. with a diagnosed anxiety disorder who is also a big fat nerd, I I will confess to having done the same thing and found it helpful. <laughs> it works, doesn't it? It's good. Uh, I'm just trying to find the quote. <laughs> like I just read it. I will. I will not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total oblivion. I will face my fear. I will turn my inner eye upon it. My. I will let my fear wash through me, and I shall turn my inner eye upon its path. And where it was, there shall be nothing. Only I will remain. Wow. For those of us wow. not watching, that's Josh holding up a set of empty hands. Yes. Yes, that was my memory. That's incredible. Yah, yah, shalhada, muadib, etc., etc. I need to get on this level. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you don't need to go down that far. <laughs> Stay up there. Stay up. You have been warned. Yeah. Yes, the world, the world needs people who have only only heard of sci-fi. We don't, we don't all need to be the same kind of nerds, Simia. Yeah. Okay, yes, we, we need we need other kind of nerds. Let, let us be okay. Um, yeah. Oh, man. M- most hated. Is there anything in this book that has made you almost like just chuck it? Hmm. I... <sighs> Not to that extent, but I think I... just as as you're reading it more um, or as I'm reading it more, just this idea again of, you know, the West coming in to save um, the East, for example, but also just this idea of, you know, the East are saying that this is the Mahdi, this is the Messiah. um, And then Paul saying, no, you need to address me as the Duke, which is more of a Western um, hierarchical system. 
mm-hmm. as opposed to the Eastern one. And so this idea that um, we will accept you only on our terms and not really for the sake of progression. So we're going to try and fit you into only what we know instead of actually trying to learn and open our, our minds to what other people know and the way other people um, interact with the world. And I thought that was kind of a, again, like, is it a running theme or is it not a running theme? I'm confused. But It's actually kind uh, of a tricky one. Yeah. Because, it is. Because, because him saying to, you know, still go on the Fremen, I'm a duke. That is how, mm-hmm. you, you know, look, I, I, I said I would only be ready to fight, you know, when I put, I'd only wear my father's ducal ring when I was ready to fight. Like, mm-hmm. This means nothing to these people. What, like, should it? No. And in yeah. a way, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a weird moment because he's, he's kind of saying to them, look, your dreams are not going to be realized how you think they're going to be realized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At least that's that's kind of my reading of it. Like he's like, look, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. maybe he was wrong. Like it, it's one of those things where it's like maybe the the protagonist was wrong. You know, shock horror. Yeah, I don't know, right? And it's also weird because at moments I'm like, he's not a native, but then he adopts mm-hmm. nativism because he is the messiah, um, or he's more than the messiah, um, and so it's this weird thing of like. Is he Western? Is he Eastern? Does he just... Is he not bound by either of that? And so he's more than, like, is he something that we are... Is it trying to reconcile the two? It's, it's there is a question at the end of the book that you may come across, and, and this will be mm-hmm. probably your question. It's like, is he human? Right. Because, spoiler alert, his yeah. son eventually isn't. Mm. Uh, uh-huh. so where do you draw the line and then I would say that that is a recurring theme in sci-fi in general which is fun to talk about but also in this book this, <laughs> for example um, Zugai like is Duncan Idaho human hmm yeah uh, that's later in the series sorry Sammy yeah. <laughs> <We spoke laughs> yes, I, don't, I don't mean to be that guy sorry like the, the, I think that's no, a recurring series theme is like well, who do we call human? Or maybe that's just something that I that I think about all the time. That is something that I get into a conversation with my brother about, like, oh, okay, so in Star Trek, in this series, who is the person that we're supposed to question? Is this person uh, a person, or are they not quite a person? And that seems mm-hmm. to be something that the, comes the up. The question there, I guess you'd ask, is Thufa Howard human? Mm-hmm. Like, biologically, yeah, he's human. But is he human where we'd say, you know, or, or the, or the Bene Gesserit? Um, mm-hmm. Are they still functionally human? Because, I mean, effectively, and this is kind of one of the things I love about Herbert, like, despite the fact this book was written 60-odd years ago, almost? 50-60-ish? Mm-hmm. Josh can't count. 1965. So. Cool, yeah. thank you. Um, all the women in this book are pretty kick-ass. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's super progressive for someone of that time, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, so, let me rephrase it, sorry. That's super progressive for now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, we're only just yeah. getting... We've only just had the first, you know, 
recent Marvel lead female person, I'm sure someone's going to say, right. actually, there was another... Yeah, whatever, dude. Um, <laughs> Lady Jessica is kick-ass. Mm-hmm. Um, Shani is kick-ass. And there's a wonderful line in the book where Paul discovers that she's killing people who are coming to challenge him. And he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm not looking to let these guys waste their time, waste your time. <laughs> but you could get hurt. And he's like, and she's like, yeah, but you see, if I kill a few, no more will come to bother you because the shame of being killed by me is so bad, <laughs> no one else will risk it. Right. And he drops it. He's like, all right, fair enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have this argument with you because AI will lose. <laughs> yes. And and Paul's little sister, Alia, Alia, mm-hmm. however you want to uh, choose your accent marker. Uh, <laughs> she she's basically has conversations with the Baron where he's trying to mastermind the whole situation. It's like, oh no, um, you're going to lose, and I'm I'm just a little girl, but let me explain to you why you're going to lose. So that's awesome. I have a I have a Wait daughter. I want her to go up top. Yeah. Wait for my brother, Baron. <laughs> yes. Oh, I want my daughter to walk up to the to the despot and say, You you're about to lose. Yeah. Again, like mm-hmm. I think the only woman in this the, the okay, there's two women in this book that don't come across as kick ass awesome. One is uh Helen Gaius Mahayan, the the I probably pronounced that really bad. Um, the first Benny Gesserit reverend mother lady that we meet, who has the box of pain. And the other is Count uh-huh. Fenring's wife. I would even say that uh, Mohayam is very competent at what she's doing, but we she we just is don't not know. a... Yeah. <laughs> but, she's, yeah. She's mean to the good guys, therefore. Yeah. Right. Um, Here's the uh, thing that only just kind of occurred to me. When you look at um, Paul... He is very, he's very good, like, he's, he's good to women, like, um, the wife of the guy he kills, his wife, well, sorry, would we say Chani is wife? I mean, that's a wife, because, like, maybe not traditionally married sense, but certainly, like, the emotional bond sense. Mm-hmm. He is good Pardon. to women, like, mm-hmm. all the way through. The Harkonnens, though, it's like, there's a bit where the Baron says to someone look go and kill all the women in the pleasure sleigh in the pleasure wing mm-hmm. as as a as a punishment to fade Ruthar for being a twit. And it shows this really, really like, okay, there's a clean cut like line where you say these like the good guys are respectful of human life to a degree. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, that was disgusting. Um, whereas the bad guys is like, I'm going to kill a bunch of people that are innocent just to teach you a lesson. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's kind of important. I'm double-checking myself, but if I recall correctly, this book begins and ends with uh, women talking, which is quite unusual for a science fiction book. Would it pass um, the Bechdel be- test, though? Ooh, I'm sh- I'm sure it doesn't. I I'm I don't know. I'm sure it doesn't. Because <laughs> I think every conversation <laughs> between Jessica and Chani is about Paul, <laughs> <laughs> or about the kids. 
Well, it, it ends with that discussion about um, who count. What made me think of this is uh, it, are you talking about whether Chani is his wife or not? Like, mm. it ends with that discussion between Jessica and Chani about, well, oh, sure, Princess Irulan is his wife, but the way history looks at it, uh, you are his wife, and I will be the Duke's wife or Duke Leto's mm. wife because we're the ones who are their actual partners, whereas Irulan is a a political uh like a political ally mm. um, and so that that is where the book ends which is you know when you think of everything that is and, in and this then i'm sammy book, i just realized you haven't finished the book and we're discussing where it ends <laughs> okay i'm like sorry spoiler <laughs> alert. Sure, dude all good it, it <laughs> ends with a discussion of what counts as a as a real marriage romance or a political alliance which is Considering the whole scope of the book, that's an interesting place to end on. And I, I think it goes to your point, Zugai, about um, it's fairly progressive when it comes to uh, the prominence of women in 1960s uh, sci-fi books. That's that's more woke and lit than you would have expected. Because, yeah. I mean, Ir- Irulan is in some ways like... To, to look at so many other works of science fiction, actually, let me rephrase that, to look at pretty well every other work of fiction, in so many of them, the woman is presented as this kind of prize. And mm-hmm. in that he says, like, yeah, Irulan is the prize, but it, it then looks at that trope and goes, hey, nah, um, by doing this wonderful thing where it's like, she's in a prize only in a certain context. And Sammy, I'm trying to be very, very conscious of where you are in the book right now, and I'm very sorry. But he does okay. he does take that trope, and it's like, wow. Like, he, he treats his women characters as people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, Not overly sexualized or boxed into, like, that fetishized kind of I would trope say... that women and Eastern women are typically... Jessica's women. probably the most sexualized. Like, I didn't, I didn't feel... Yeah, but it wasn't even... Sorry. No, I was just going to say, it wasn't, like, as sexualized as I've read in other pieces of fiction, and um, there is this kind of... I think it was between Hawat, when she's trying to... When she realizes that she's suspect. Yeah. Was it? And there's just that whole, like, mind game... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that whole idea of, like, you literally don't even know how much power I hold. Yeah. Uh, and I can dominate you if I want to, but I also have that responsibility and blah, blah, blah. Um, but just that idea that it's not her using her body to gain what she wants. It's using her mind, um, which still typically isn't um, found in many novels and stuff. Um, or Or in ideas of what... Eastern woman, even I mean I know she's not Eastern in this in this book and stuff, but um, yeah, my brain just went blank. It's okay. I was actually going to say it's it's also an interesting thing that you kind of reminded me of in that that whole conversation is also about her saying, "Look, uh, sorry, and sorry, it runs around the theme of look. Yes, you can be as powerful as you like, but the the problem with having power is it makes is, is it actually makes you less powerful inside 
if you had the ability mm-hmm. to make anyone do the thing you wanted to do with the smallest amount of effort, the person mm-hmm. going to suffer most from that is actually yourself. Because mm-hmm. you're going to become mm-hmm. so reliant on that ability that you mm-hmm. you will destroy yourself. Mm-hmm. And, it, it is and I guess going thing. back to be human. Yeah. yeah. The, there's a Scandinavian horror movie, I swear this relates, uh, <laughs> that... And I'll, I will think of the name of it in a minute, but the what you find by the end of it, or maybe I won't because I'm spoiling the movie for you, uh, what you find by the end of the movie is that the main character has the ability to control people's minds to get them to do what she wants, but she doesn't know that she has that, and it's it's a tragedy because she's slowly realizing that people don't want to do the things that she wants them to do, but they're doing them anyway. And that's horrible. So if you had, like Lady Jessica, the voice or whatever, you would want to use it as little as possible because, um, like, manipulating your child to eat their vegetables using psychic powers Umbrella is Academy. a horrible thing to compliment. Pardon? Umbrella Academy. Yes, yes, actually, yes. <laughs> that's, that's another example. And Man, I know you think you tweeted about it. Yes! All right, yes, cool. Using psychic powers is is horrible. Yeah, I, I I apparently watch all the weird stuff and tweet about it, and that's how <laughs> Josh finds out about it. But that that's a dubious <laughs> dubious honor. Yeah, like there there is that scene in the Umbrella Academy where she uses a psychic power against her child, and the husband sees, and it's like the parent in me is like, look, we've all been there. <laughs> Yeah. We, we, I well, wish what, I had that power, but I'm glad I don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, my my older brother, he has five children. Um, oh. Two of them are twins, and they are like three and a half years old or so. Um, and my brother does kind of have a power in that he is an anesthetist. Oh. So he knows the dose yes. he could use to hey. have a very right. good night's sleep. Right. And yet doesn't. So it's like, dude, you're a better man Jamie, than me. Jamie, I can't speak <laughs> you very well. I'm talking to some people. So my my human children just were asking me questions about what they were or weren't allowed to do while you were talking. So it's very relevant. Yeah, th- this is when you need that psychic power. <laughs> yes. No, but I, yes, I mean, like, as, as we were talking, like, it... This book highlights, like, there are characters that are just stupidly powerful, but they're like, look, if I ever use this power, like, in mm-hmm. fact, that's a great scene, too, because she's, like, saying to him, look, the difference between your power and my power is people know Mentats are brilliant. They mm-hmm. know what you guys are capable of. They don't mm-hmm. know what we're capable of, and we can never mm-hmm. afford to let them know what we're capable of, because the second mm-hmm. we let them know, they will nuke us. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, probably would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Benny going back to your question from a few minutes ago, uh, they the least favorite part of the book. Yep. It's not. It's not poorly written. It just creeps me out. Um, the idea that the Benny part of what they have been doing is planting uh, prophecies and manipulating local mm-hmm. religions. Yeah, that's pretty in, so that they have an emergency ripcord if they ever get trapped on a planet somewhere. 
I find yeah. that a horrible thing to compliment. It's like we have warped your belief system uh, in, for our own convenience. Yeah, the missionary I don't project think it, diva, I think it was called. Yes, yes. Yeah. Showing off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for, for me, probably my one is like, there's a thing with the, again, it's the Bene Gesserit. It's like, yeah, guys, we're coming down hard on these on these people. Um, they can handle it. If, they got the they, they, could just make, they could just make me agree with them if they really wanted to. <laughs> yeah. They're not bothered. Yeah. <laughs> they got bigger fish to fry. It's the fact that there's like this whole, and Sammy again, I'm really sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> there is a revelation at some point where it's like we have been specifically breeding people. Actually, no, this was early on, so I haven't spoiled anything. Yes. No, you um, haven't. Yeah, I was like, I recall this. Cool. Um, it's like we have a breeding program, but for humanity, like we've got a goal we're going for, and we're going to breed certain people. And it's like that feels icky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, not not wanting to get into the discussion of, like, you know, look, if you had the ability to, you know, genetically enhance your child in the womb to make sure they wouldn't have certain mental or phys- physical deficiencies, and then, oh, actually, mm-hmm. we can enhance them, can we? Yeah, great, pump it up, mate. Mm-hmm. Um, please, let's not. <laughs> designer babies. No. Uh, I think they're right, right now they're babies. known as designer babies. Uh, yes. Yeah. But for me, that is an so, icky thing. It's just like... So, Ziva, are you coming down against eugenics? <laughs> Probably. That's a, uh, I, I, yes, I think we can all be... I'm joking. Yes, we should come against eugenics. It, it yeah. didn't work so well in the 20th century. Let's, yeah. let's, let's leave it out of the 21st century. <laughs> yeah, let's... let's... When I was an ESL teacher, there was a great book called uh, Taboos and Issues, and it actually had a whole lesson based on that. Great resource, though. If you're an ESL teacher, get a copy of Taboos and Issues. It's awesome. So Eugenics is Bad was was an issue in that book? That's the funny thing. Like, when you look at the book and you actually look at, you know, a lot of the way it kind of brings it out, it doesn't argue either way. Okay. No, it doesn't. Because it says, look, if you are producing superhumans that are just powerful and amazing, is that a bad thing? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, technically no. But wait a second, how are you doing it? Yeah, it's this yeah. is this is where Josh is like, I don't know what I think. <laughs> And, and Eugen- also, eugenics, though, like forced sterilization, I'm going to say bad. Yeah. I'll, I'll put my hand say, yeah, that's bad. That's not okay. Yeah. 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 And it's also even with the Bene Gesserit and even eugenics, it's like at first we were trying to, when religion was more dominant, we were trying to mimic ourselves in the vision of God and in the personalities and the and the practices of uh, of a God or of a higher power. And it's kind of, moved on to mimicking ourselves into mimicking a more higher human Mm. power and our own egos Um, and now potentially moving into technology and like trying to become one with technology and what technology knows of us and our technological selves and it's like you know the Benny Gesserit kind of show some of the complications there and then eugenics also just (laughs) smashes that up 
park. It's just like, where is the line? What are we comparing ourselves to and who are we trying to attain and what are we trying to attain and why is that the the yardstick? And who's yardstick? Yeah, it's like I said, like this is this is I think we'd all agree at the end, this is and this is not to say we're ending here, but this is a fascinating work. Mm-hmm. It, it is, I mean, again, Samia, I apologize. This is your first science fiction book, and you unfortunately <laughs> started, like, pretty well at the top. Um, yeah. There's a lot of drops <laughs> out there, man. There's, there's a lot of real, not very good stuff. Um, oh, God. I mean, I'm, I'm going to depend on both of your lists of 100 books, and then I'll just work my uh, way through. I won't recommend 100. I'll, I'll throw some books forward. Josh's 100. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. The, the other Josh. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... I, I, I'm one of those people that's like, look, this book has still got a lot to say even 60 years after it was written. Mm-hmm. Because we're still saying, is, you know, reading this book and going, okay, are these things okay? Are they not okay? You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Tasha, I have a question for you, if that's okay. I'm, yeah, sure, man. So, and you, I'm going to put you on the spot and torture you to answer this question without okay. spoiling so, things. So, for so I have to put my box in a hand of pain, all right? Sure. <laughs> um as someone who has uh, read the other books by uh, Frank Herbert, and I, we haven't talked about whether or not you read any of the ones by his son. Um, I did. Would you... Uh, do you feel like that influences how you are reading this book, having uh, read all of the sequels, having watched the movies? Like, Is there anything that jumps out at you that... Um, we've read in the other books that strongly influences like, oh, Duncan Idaho or, uh, oh, the Benny Gesserit. I know what they're going to do five books from now. So that's really influencing uh, how I take this book. What, what do you think about how the overall series affects your understanding of this book? Okay. That is a cool question. Yes, I am adequately tortured. Thank you. Um, <laughs> probably because the second and like the second book is a I didn't like at all. Um, it, it it is a real downer of a book, and it's not quite as long as Dune, if I recall correctly, but still to get through a lot of pages for for a downer book. Look, okay, I have read the Brothers Karamazov, so I can get through a depressing book. Good work. Thank you. I have actually touched the desk it was written on, and I can be very proud of that fact. Um, this is the wonderful benefit of being married to an amazing Russian woman. Um, where she's from, there's a museum dedicated to Karama- uh, Dostoevsky, and they've actually got his desk where he wrote. So I, I, they oh, let cool. me touch it, and I immediately felt very, very depressed. Um, <laughs> still powerful item. Um, <laughs> but to, 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 to attempt to answer your question... I don't think it was the other books in the series that affected how I read this book and how my understanding of it. Probably what changed my understanding and the way I think about this book is doing my degree in uh-huh. counterterrorism, because I don't think I stated that on this recording. That was just when we were, you know, mucking about. Mm-hmm. Um, doing a degree in counterterrorism and having to learn... Okay, 
like I said at the start, like the first time I read this book, I didn't even know Islam was a thing. And and yes, that paints me as an amazingly ignorant twelve year old. Um, You're twelve. <laughs> when, I would say average twelve year old. Yeah, thank you. I, I am not generous to my or gracious to myself at any age. So you know, despite the problems I had then with you know depression and social anxiety, um, rereading it and rereading it, doing my degree, learning a little bit. And, and when I say a little bit about Islam, like I had to study parts of it at university um, mm-hmm. because the understanding of like, okay, look, West versus global West, which technically doesn't really exist like as a geographical fact or like even as a cultural thing, it's a weird thing to try and pin down what it means. We're mm-hmm. not having that discussion. Josh will shoot himself in the head. <laughs> like this Josh, not that Josh. Um <laughs> But doing that degree where you actually have to start learning about, okay, there's this massive history in these places where a lot of very bad stuff was done by, you know, a lot of other people who were not from there. And bad stuff continues being done. And we have the worst perspective. But it's also a case of, look, there is no way of fi- there's no simple way of fixing this problem. Um, because even trying to fix the problem sometimes causes other problems. And again, that's when people with my degree go and have a drink. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, to answer your question, I don't think the other books change the way I read it. I think me changing changes the way I read it. And if anything, that also is probably a massive, massive, like, endorsement of the book to say, wow, like, if a book is... If a book's good when you are one way, that's great. But if you learn and develop and, you know, get some academic nous behind you and then you reread mm-hmm. the book and you're still like, my God, this is amazing. And I'm getting more out of this now because I have a better understanding of how politics and religion work together because I've written a lot of essays about it. Um, I'd say, yeah, this is a fantastic book. I, despite the problems that we've covered despite the horrible issues in there, some of them. Yeah. Is that answer uh, your question? Absolutely. That's an ex- that, no, that's an excellent, that's a better answer than I would have hoped for. And when we pretend, pretentious English teachers say something is a classic, which what does that mean other than that it's Old? privileged to be in the canon? Um, Old the, and, those written, of us, and probably written by a white guy. Well, okay. <laughs> When, let's rephrase, yeah. when I say something as a classic, what I mean is that it's, we say, oh, it has stood the te- test of time, which is code for it's been around a while. But what I really mean when I say it is, what, exactly what you're saying is that it can uh, engage a reader in more than one context, like more than one kind of person or, or people in more than one situation can, uh, uh, it sounds super cheesy to say it. they can be in dialogue with the book and from more than one perspective and and still find it valuable and i would say that i agree with you that dune is despite some problematic elements it it does that and engages me in more than one stage of my life cool. it's a classic it is it it's yeah, like you say, it stands the test of the time. Like I say, it stands the test of my time. Like I, I change, and the book is still amazing. You know, I've, I grow up, and the book is still amazing. 
I have even told a variant of the story of Dune to my firstborn. And he's going to be so pissed with me when he reads a lot of books. <laughs> he's going to be so angry. Hey, Dad, you never came up with an actual original bedtime story for me, did you? No. <laughs> I couldn't, kid. After reading all this, like, I can't come up with anything original. It's all from someone else. Alright. Wait till you get to the Terry think... Pratchett's, kid. You are going to be stuck. <laughs> I think what's also fascinating about this is that it, it, for me, obviously, I'm still in the middle of reading it, but I feel that it could stand the test of time because we've also not changed much <laughs> as humanity. Like, we've not progressed. And so, like, you know, in the in the book it says the world is supported by four things, the learning of the wise, the justice of the great, the prayers of the righteous, the valor of the brave, and then the ruler that knows the art of ruling. We know none of that. <laughs> like, yeah, we so don't credence to any of that so it's like until any of that happens until you know we fix some of our most base selves i feel like it's still going to be relevant <laughs> it's got, i think it's even some... when we fix some of our base selves like there's um this this is okay and i'm not going to recommend that you read the prologues written by his son and kevin j anderson because they are awful Oh, God. Um, my older brother once asked if he could borrow my copy of House, whatever it was. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, dude, you can have it. Like, I don't, don't want it in my bookshelf. He's like, oh, you didn't like it? And I said, dude, let me put it this way. If you're reading in the bathroom and there's no paper in there and you have a knee, <laughs> with my blessing. <laughs> That's a low bar. It, or if you're very cold and you need to light a fire. This is one of the few occasions I'll say it's all right to use a book for that. <laughs> so um, I think I've answered another part of your question there, Josh. Yeah. Yeah, re I, I, reading I, the prelogues made me really appreciate the book. Yeah. Sorry. That's just I, the, mean. I, I Yes, I think they... Uh, this is a, a side rant, but uh, oh, when relative rant. takes... When a relative takes over a series, which it seems to usually be the son, uh, but when a relative takes over writing a series, it rarely goes well. Uh, it's like, uh, you thought it was done, but but I have a way to make a little bit of money off of my dad's IP. So let me tell you the, the true secret backstory that he mentioned to me when I was a kid. I think one well, of the few writers that that curse has skipped, whose child is also a writer, is Terry and Rihanna Patchett. Oh, okay. Yeah. His I, daughter, Rihanna, is a... She writes video games. Um, cool. The most well-known one is the most recent... Uh, the reincarnation of Tomb Raider. Okay. Yeah. Oh. There were no puns in it either, so, I mean, yeah, she clearly missed some things from her dad. Yeah. Um, sorry, I've got a Terry Pratchett book up there, and he's he's just got, like, a curious little smile on his face, so it just makes me feel happy to look up and... See Terry Pratchett smile. Um, yeah. a, a big pardon, sorry. I just said it's like he's there with us. If only. <laughs> my, my comedy would probably not improve, and he'd probably give me a look. Um, <laughs> he He's one of the few that has actually kind of escaped that curse, because his daughter didn't, as far as I know, didn't get into writing the same sort of stuff he did, but loved writing. And I think he just would have sure. said, good, go for it. 
And apparently he was into video games too. So cool dude. He's a very cool dude. So I'm. Um, I think we'll at a, at an hour and twenty minutes. If, if people aren't too bored with our bollocksing, um, <laughs> I, I do want to say thank you for giving me this time um, of yours. I like we we all have a lot going on in our lives. Um, uh, Sammy, I do want to say thank you, and I'm very sorry <laughs> for making you, but for pushing like one of science fiction's heaviest tomes upon you. But you. No, it's been received with pleasure. Like, thank um, you for introducing me to this world. It's incredible. I, it's just sci-fi. I, I will, I will take responsibility for it, and in some ways, be very sad with myself. <laughs> um, it's it's a good legacy you're leaving behind. <laughs> or that sounds really morose. It's a good a legacy. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. and, I don't want to Just pretend I didn't say that. No, 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 no. That's staying in. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we'd all come down and say, look, people should go read this. Don't go see the yes. David Lynch three-hour made-for-TV version of the movie unless you've really got nothing to do. Um, I, I would love to sit down and talk with you guys about another book at some point. Um, we'll have to... We'll have to pick something out. I think we'll, we should have a discussion about how we do that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I do not want to be the one recommending every book. Because otherwise, it's gonna be, there's going to be like Chesterton and Catch-22 and all that kind of you know, horrible <laughs> populist stuff. Okay. Yeah, just um, don't make me read anything that I had. Don't make me read anything that I had to teach to students because I've probably had to read it at least eight times. No, no pride and prejudice. It's a really good. Book. Oh, don't, okay. don't make me read it with you. I, I, I have Mark Twain's opinion on um, Jane Austen's work. What I'm not familiar with. He did yeah. not like it. He very I, much I, despised it. I would, I would say he's probably uh, the the things that make him great and the things that make her great are. Not they don't overlap very much, and I I would enjoy them both. But that part, that and like Ellie B. Sells Night are great books that I've had to read tens or dozens of times. Uh, so whatever we pick, let's not pick that one. Actually, I'd be very curious to see uh, what Samia would would make me read. That would be quite interesting. Uh, I'd love to read something that is like this is the, the, the two reasons I thought this might be a fun idea. A, um, I gave up video games for Lent, and so it's like, wow, I've got a lot of spare time. I should be creative. <laughs> so if I don't go back to it, that's fine by me. Like, I can give up <laughs> that and, you know, focus on connecting with people and developing myself and hopefully, you know, developing people, because that's what, that's what life's about, man. Like, yeah. meet people, Sounds grow, good. help people grow. You damn shut-in, zoo guy. Um, so, so wrapping up there, I think we all like this book. I think we all say, yeah, this is real great. Um, Sammy, if people want to find you online, you mentioned that you have The Rogue Muslim. That is your mm-hmm. podcast. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And so you can find me. Uh, it's All my handles are just at The Rogue Muslim. I'm on 
Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I don't use Facebook that much anymore. Um, so I maybe don't go play Dungeons out. and Dragons with people. Yeah. As God intended. <laughs> yeah. I literally use it to only connect with family and see the 8 million forwards that are posted on there, basically. Um, but yeah, so don't go there. Um, but Twitter and Instagram and yeah, that's, and oh, and the podcast is everywhere, like SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, uh, everything else. <laughs> just, yeah, just type in the Rogue Muslim and uh, I'd love to have your thoughts. Oh, and thanks for having me. Oh, oh, it's it, it has been more than a pleasure. Oh, yeah, I'm excited for the future. Cool. See what we're going to read next. Um, Josh, people, how can people find your games? Because look, uh, in, in a very core, in a very like you know Rube Goldberg esque kind of way, of looking at it, um, your Imposters Collection, specifically your game in the Imposters Collection, is kind of what led to this. Okay. Uh, okay, so quick answer to your question followed by what the heck does that mean because I'm curious. Uh, if you go to drivethroughrpg, drive, com and search for Ginger Goat, that's probably the easiest ways to get all my games. Or you can find me on Twitter at Josh T. Jordan, and I'm sure there is a link pinned probably to whatever my latest game is at the time. Um but yeah, check those out, and you will find more than you wanted to know about my weird psychology. But uh, in, in general, I, I can promise that they are both uh, easy to learn and different from what is on your shelf. Uh, everything that, that we have produced, and it's usually a, t- a team effort, meets those two things. It's, it's easier to play than you would think, but it's also very different from D&D, for example, which I also enjoy. It is, and I I really what what was the game? What was the name of the game? Sorry, I'm terrible with names. Uh, okay. There's no longer with us. I think is the one that's in the. There's two versions of that game, and I'm okay. trying to remember which one. That's, you're talking about the one in the funeral. Yes. Yes, I think that's no longer with us in the imposters. Okay. Because okay. um, yeah, I played that game with a couple of buddies of mine, and we actually recorded it for an older podcast that is probably defunct now. Um, but the cards I drew, one of them was my identity card, and I was the woman faking her own funeral. And it was the best last card reveal ever. Nice. Like, we, we nailed the best version of the game, and I can't play it again. It's like, I'm never going to have as good a time with the game as I had with that. <laughs> Jordan, you, you magnificent, you magnificent demon of a man, you've destroyed me. Thank you. Excellent. Um, that is the the best insult or or <laughs> slash compliment that I've got. Actually, no. Back. Now I know how Sammy feels. Yeah. I've just realized I've connected with a human being. <laughs> Great. Um, and if if people want to find any of my stuff aside from this, um, my Twitter handle is Nerdy People D D um, from the main podcast I produce, which is Nerdy People Play D and D. Um, where we play Dungeons and Dragons, as you could probably expect from the name. Um, but we also have been experimenting with other game systems like um, Goat, uh, sorry, like Honey Heist and Good Cop, Bird Cop, um, which are very nice. fun and very silly. Um, I don't flex on the gram, so to speak, and looking <laughs> me up on Facebook would be and just dull. Um, <laughs> 
So yeah, guys. Um, th- again, thank you, thank you for listening. Um, I am ridiculously looking forward to any more time I have in your company. Yes. Likewise. Likewise. Yeah. <laughs>